Welcome to Three Song Stories, the podcast that challenges our guests to tell three song stories pulled from their memories where they've been fused into place via the power of music. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest today is musician Bill Metz. Bill started playing fingerstyle guitar during the country blues revival of the 1960s when he fell in love with the music of Taj Mahal, Mississippi John Hurt, Doc Watson, and others of that ilk. He says just about everything he's done since has been in that down-home finger-picking style, which he is a master of, I assure you. Bill says he began to understand the power inherent in music while playing at senior centers and nursing homes in Massachusetts. He began more seriously dabbling in the art of songwriting after moving to Florida in 2004. These days, he says he mostly uses music for personal enjoyment and to make a little money on the side, but his main focus is to use songs to better our community through the not-for-profit organization Hope by Song which helps those whose stories of abuse, addiction, homelessness, or PTSD have not yet been heard by inspiring them to tell their stories, the words of which are then used to create songs of struggle and hope, which are then used to educate others who might be dealing with similar issues. It's truly emblematic of the power of music, and just one of the reasons I've wanted to get Bill in our guest chair since launching this podcast, so let's go. Hey there, Bill Metz. This is a real treat for us. Like I said, we have been hoping you've been on our list since the beginning, believe it or not. I am so so thankful. It makes me happy. Awesome. Um, What was the musical background of your childhood? Musical background? Oh, I think most of it was Motown. Very young Motown. You know, I was born in 51, so there was the... The doo-wop and mm-hmm. so on and, and uh, Perry Como and basically the radio. And then uh, my dad had a great record collection that really did go from Burr Lives to John Coltrane. Um, I, and I listened to all of it when nobody else was in the house. So okay, it was, so you, it was were pretty eclectic. A, you were an active listener on your own then. I was. I listened at – again, we had these big massive headphones. I'll never forget oh, them. So your dad was kind of an audiophile then. Right. I would lay down on the floor in, one of the, in front of the big Motorola turntable and I'd put on a record and I would just sit and listen. And I would lay down on the floor and close my eyes and listen. Where was that? That was in um, Rhode Island. I grew up in Rhode Island. Hmm. Born there in 1951. Hmm. Um, was music being played around your house on instruments at all? No, not not a single. I'm the only one in my household who actually learned to play an instrument, and it was never even a thought. Hmm. So no, how. like band in school or any of yeah. that stuff. No. Hmm. Do you um, have an early musical memory that you can recall besides you know laying there with the headphones on listening to the albums? There, there are there are lots of them. I remember uh, there are things that in. When music was really was was powerful. I remember singing in the church, and and we weren't necessarily a religious family. We didn't go to church often, but I remember uh, singing uh, a solo, "Jesus Loves Me." Yes, I know. You know, as a, a young kid, I had to be well under under six. Do you remember that being intimidating or inspiring or no or I anything? Don't, I don't remember it being much of anything except that I I enjoyed it. I remember enjoying it. That is true. And I also remember another one was uh, prob- probably first grade, walking across the stage with, my, with an Uncle Sam hat 
singing Yankee Doodle Dandy. You know, <laughs> <laughs> was that was that was an interesting one, but I remember that as well. Do you feel like you've uh, had a natural talent for singing or being able to you know stay on key even when you were a kid? Probably, probably. All I know is that um, it's still. And it's, it is still my favorite love. I, I enjoy singing more than I enjoy playing my guitar. Yeah. I, when I started playing guitar, it was only so that I could have something to sing with ah. without having to turn on a record player or, or asking somebody so to So you something. learned the guitar so you can accompany your singing voice. Ex- exactly. What were you singing before you were guitaring to your singing? Um, well, Anything that I liked, I did. I sang a lot of Paul Simon. I I, I loved Lou Rawls. I loved uh, these are the things that I would listen to when I was growing up. Oh, I loved Lou Rawls. I loved uh, Curtis Mayfield. Mm-hmm. I loved you know the the uh, the impressions. I loved their songs, the music uh, a lot. I would sing to uh, Burl Ives. I loved Mary Mikiba, even though I didn't. I had no idea what she was singing. <laughs> I would I would sing and you know try to mimic the African dialect. It was it, uh, it was just music. I just loved singing, hmm. yeah, so I did. Can you remember an early time when music moved you emotionally early, or, or otherwise? Yeah, the, probably the earliest things were definitely. I mean, then when it really moved me was probably Curtis Mayfield uh, and the impressions. Um, Keep on pushing was was one of those songs, and there was another song that uh, I can't even tell you the title of, but. Um, I think it was called "Why Can't I Cry," but for some reason I would sit and listen to that, and uh, for some reason it it would move me. I, About I, how old would you have been at that point? You think? Well, I couldn't have been older than twelve. Okay, you know, mm-hmm. I couldn't have been older than twelve. Maybe. Do you remember the first music that you owned? Yourself, the first, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that glimmer in your yeah, eye. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it was one of those things where I had asked my brother. I had a little money, and my brother was going to the record store, and and uh, that's probably the first time he ever asked me this question. But he asked me if if I wanted it to me to him to pick me up something, and I gave him my fifty cents or whatever it was, and I asked him to pick up the forty five. Um, Going to the chapel. Oh, yeah. Going to the chapel and we're gone. My brother looked at me really funny. <laughs> but he went and he got it for me. I did love it. You know, hmm. I loved the harmonies. I, I loved it. I just saw. You ever play that on the guitar? Nope. Nope. No, never no desire to? No. No. Well, see, that was one of those things. I was, I was young. I didn't start playing my guitar until I was 19, 20. That was... 11, 12 years old. Gotcha. Um, Did you live in Rhode Island all the way up through high school? Yes. I graduated high school and then went from there to school in Mass. Gotcha. Do you remember um, the first time you had a slow dance, what might have been playing? I don't – no, I don't at all. I I only had one girlfriend between, you know, middle school, high school, one girlfriend and we broke up right at the beginning of high school and after that I – you know, so I never – and I don't dance. You don't dance? No, I don't (laughs) dance really at all. Like even at the wedding? Because you know, I, I, I try either. not to, and I, I know that's the one place where you sometimes can't get away I, with. I try not, not to. Yeah, well, there was um, the the I went to here. This is a great musical thing. I went to Louisiana just a little while ago, and I was uh, was doing the um, there's a big Zydeco festival. Okay, down there, and you cannot go to a Zydeco festival. They will not let you sit right. in a chair. Yeah, they will pick so, you up by both yeah, yeah, arms and shake sure. you. I know. <laughs> so I danced there. 
and uh, I went to the last. I went to this a New Year's party a little while ago, and I'm standing in the corner bopping. You know, the DJ was great. The music was right from out of my time, and I'm standing in the corner bopping my head, and and somebody came over and asked me to dance, and I I I said okay, why not? And I went out and I tried to dance like no one was looking. But I'm not so sure. <laughs> is that the? Uh, I'm going to dig a little deeper on this because I think we're simpatico. Um, is the what is the root of the not wanting to dance? You're a musical person. You've got rhythm. You've got well, all the things that a person might want to dance, and I think I probably do too. But I got no love for it at all. All of my rhythm, I'm sorry, is in my fingers. Okay. I, I and it's true. I will sit, here here. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I will sit and I will look at my fingers moving while I'm playing my guitar, and I will get great joy. That's a part of the experience when yeah. I'm playing and I'm watching these fingers do this, and I'm 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 having fun with that. I really, it's I feel like my fingers are dancing. Hmm. And it's so. Well, that's I, good enough for me. I feel like watching you play is like watching someone <laughs> dance. So there we have it. Um, well, let's move on to your first song. My first song. Okay, this one here. Um, it's I, I had to look it up. It comes. It came up in nineteen fifty. It was nineteen fifty six. Fifty seven. Yes. So I I was six years old. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, this is the first one, and it brings up a memory that is very, very vivid. And it's with my sister. The song, should I tell about the song? Okay, the song song is Get a Job by the Silhouettes. And this is this is how it this is how it all came to be. What happened was she and I have vivid memories. She's standing at the the sink, she's washing dishes. Um, We're listening to WPRO. Okay, and I even remember the DJ's name. It was Joel A. Spivak. Okay, okay. now Joel A. Spivak, he's talking and he says, oh, we're going to play the song Get a Job. And my sister throws her hands up in the air and says, oh, Billy. And she dries her hands on the aprons. And the next thing I know, Get a Job is playing and she's jitterbugging me. I'm just six years old. She's jitterbugging me around the kitchen. And uh, I'm, I'm having a really good time. You were dancing. I was. Okay, okay. <laughs> or oh, I was being danced. Okay. And then – um. The song ends, and she turns, goes back to doing the dishes. Joel A. Spivak says, I love that song, and he puts it on again. And next thing I know, she's drying her hands. She's spinning me around the kitchen again. That happened literally three times. He played it back to he back to back. He played the song three times in a row. Wow. And uh, I just remember jitterbugging, you know, as far as I was a kid, that was jitterbugging the night away with my sister, you know, in the, in the kitchen. It was fun. I, I, and I remember it. I remember it very clearly. And if you hear that song, are you back in the kitchen? Uh, I, I am. Every every time I have ever heard it. There's not been a lot, but I, it, my mind goes right to it. Had you listened to it recently for any reason, or did you, when, when picking songs for this show, did you just go right to that memory? No, that's that was that's one of the first powerful, and it was powerful enough that I that song always brings up that picture. There's that pic, that song, as far as I'm concerned, exists to be in that memory. Because it wasn't like I listened to it otherwise. Describe the kitchen a little bit for us. Paint okay. the scene. What color were the walls? The, I can, you know, the kitchen sink was – this is what I remember about the, about the kitchen sink. I remember my sister's apron too. But the kitchen sink was very shallow. Okay. In other words, you could reach out – as a kid, I could reach out and touch the wall. Okay. While standing at the kitchen sink, there was a um, there was a window just above where the where the actual sink was. I remember the – the dish, the strainer, uh-huh. was on this side. The left side. Yeah, I was on the left side, which she, uh, she she has her back to me. 
okay? The strainer was on the left-hand side, and when she turned around, the radio was above above the, the uh, strainer, uh-huh. okay? Because when she turned around and started drying her hands on her apron, and it was a white flowered apron, very small flowers, not big flowers, okay, uh-huh. very small flowers. She reached, as she's turning, okay, she's drying her hands, reaching over, turning up the radio all in one motion, all in one motion, and the next thing you know, she had me by the hand spinning me around. Awesome. This, is, this, is, this is how I, you see, real or imagined, it doesn't matter. That's what I remember. That's how it felt to me. It was like one big, all of a sudden, this whirl of music and motion and my sister smiling and laughing and I'm smiling and laughing. And then when it happened three times in a row, that was... That was like magic. Was, that just yeah. doesn't happen. No, it, no, it does not. <laughs> three songs, story, yeah. three songs, uh, there's yeah. something there. <laughs> yeah, um, okay, well, let's listen to it together. This is Get a Job by The Silhouettes, um, originally released in 1957, um, repopularized by the soundtrack to the 1973 film American Graffiti. No, I did not know that. What's your sister's name? She calls her her now her name is Ifuru. Ifuru oh. Bendele. Isn't that a beautiful name? That is a beautiful yeah. name. Um, her, she was uh, christened Blanche. Blanche. Yeah. Does she still call you Billy? Yes. <laughs> yes. I heard that My earlier. whole family. My whole family calls me Billy. Yeah? Yes. Yes. That's funny. I'm the opposite. Everybody calls my whole family calls me Michael. Everybody else calls me Mike. (laughs) Um, You know, that song and that era of songs is part of my ethos musically because, long story short, I wound up with a collection of Time Life tapes from the the 50s, like the greatest hits from the 50s that Mm. I just got hooked on in high school. I mean – I haven't heard that song in ages. I know every word of that song yeah. still, just because. I know what you're singing. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy how that works. I mean, I, there was like a year-long period in 1986 where I listened to a lot of those songs. And now when one comes along, mostly because of this show, I'm back in my Ford LTD driving right. around. And, you know. <laughs> oh, so, so, and that, I'm in the kitchen dancing with my you're sister. You're in the kitchen yeah. dancing with your sister. Um, do you ever, do you, that's probably not a song. You play finger-picking style, no. right? <laughs> do, uh, you know, I should try that one of these days. Something of that nature. You might be able nature. to re-engineer I, I'm, it. I'm I'll sure you could. I bet you we can. That hmm. would be fun. How big is your uh, from-memory musical repertoire? Oh, it's pretty big. You know, it depends. Scores? I mean, it, you, well, yeah. Hundreds? Hundreds? Yeah, certainly a couple of hundred. Oh, yeah? Without question, yeah. Wow. We, but you got to figure that there were there are so many songs that you don't really have to remember how to play them. Yeah. Because you know the progression. You hear it. You yeah. feel the progression. And then it's just a matter of remembering the words. and. You know, sometimes the words stick, and sometimes I figure if I know half of a song, right. if someone in an audience says, "Hey, can you play this?" Yeah. I can say, "I can play it if you can sing it, yeah. and if you can get me started." You know, so uh, there's this there's a lot. I've got a really random aside here that you just reminded me of. And I'm going to go there. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I interviewed a guy about ten, twelve years ago who's a origami expert. He actually works for NASA, believe it or not. Like how they fold up things that go in satellites. Oh, all right. And he did this three-hour-long origami demonstration at the science fair in downtown where he started with a huge sheet of paper and he turned it into this guy playing a violin. And I said, how do you remember that? And he's like, well, it's kind of like remembering how to get somewhere. Like, I can't see it all in my head, Mm. but as soon as I start on my path, I know how to get there because I see it coming. And that's kind of like what you just described. Like, you don't have perfect clarity of all those songs, but if you get on that road... 
Suddenly you start to remember the signposts right. and you find you your way. You know what happens? This is really odd. There are times when I'm, in, I'm there, I'm traveling down that road and I don't see where it's going until the very instant yeah. that I need it. The instant that I need the word, my mouth opens and the word falls out. It, I don't even think about it. That's, that's one of the most exciting and wonderful experiences when, that, when you get there and it just continues right on through the song, an entire minute of that happening as you, you feel like you're, you're, you're not playing the song. Yeah. You're, you are the song or the song is you. It's a, such an amazing feeling. Man, that's yeah. awesome. Um, how often do you add songs to you? Like what, what's the process by the, which you'll go, eh, it's time to learn a new song? I When... Oh, that's what happens. I did it with my ankle. Your chair Excuse just got shorter. Excuse me, my chair, yeah, my chair just <laughs> shrunk here. Let me see if I can get it back. Did it break? No, I just I, I okay. bumped it with my el- my my okay. ankle or something. Um, oh, that happens when I discover a new. I'll be someone will say, "Hey, you need to listen to so and so," and I'll listen to so and so, and all of a sudden, I'll just be in love with their music. Uh, it happened recently with a guy named Kevin Welch. Uh, uh, Kieran Kane, Kevin Welch, and Fats uh, Kaplan. <laughs> they have an album, a CD out, and I love their music. So I've just said, okay, I'm going to go ahead and pick up three or four of their songs, and I and I did with a friend uh, when we're you know doing a duo kind of thing. Cool. So it just happens like that. Just some, I'll hear something I like, and I say that's something I want to learn. The Avett Brothers. Oh, I love uh, them. Me too. Oh man, you, know? you so, and I, we need to listen to. This. I, do you play any of their songs? I only do one. Which one? Right now, it's it's called. Uh, um, um, I can sing it. When my body won't hold me anymore, uh-huh. and it finally lets me free, where will I go? Do you know the one I'm talking about? They do. I do. Okay. I don't know oh, the name of it. Oh, but it's I a know wonderful. What you're yeah, talking yeah, about. I, yeah. Um, I, for some reason, the, the name uh, is slipping my mind, but I love this song. Are, you, love are you familiar with the Ballad of Love and Hate? No. You need to look it up. Okay, I will. I that's, absolutely will. I, I know, I, that's a song that I play, and I play the ukulele. Oh, okay. I think, I have, I by the way, it. I think that's uh, the Avett Brothers. It is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No Hard Feelings. No Hard Feelings. That's it. I Avid. love that song. Avett. 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 No, it's well, Avett, yeah. Um, no, yeah, you need to check that one out. I'll I will. send you a link to the it. The Ballad of, of Love and, and Hate. Hate. It's just okay. one that, I don't even know if it's on an album. It's one that the the... One of the brothers, the guitar brother, there's mm-hmm. a banjo brother and the guitar brother. Yes. It's one that the the guitar brother does solo. Like mm-hmm. he'll just come out and sing it. Okay. We'll, I will find we'll it. leave it at that. Okay. Why did you start playing the guitar? I, 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 um, I saw someone under a tree, a really cute hippie girl under a tree. And I told this story the last time. She was under the tree and I said, okay, I need to get to know her. And uh, I went over and said, I'd really like, I've always wanted to learn to play. And she, you know, it really is true. She said, oh, right then she said, oh, I have two of them. Here, why don't you take this one? And uh, I'll get my other one. I'll give you a lesson. And that's the way it started. And And that was the late 60s? That was 60. Yeah, I started, I started college in 69. Hmm. Yeah. So, yep. I fell in love with the guitar and the girl's still my friend. I mean, we, she, uh. I talked to her. I got in touch with her after 40 years. Oh, yeah? <laughs> well, yeah. But I, I, She's still playing the guitar? No. No. Hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. I just choked. Um, uh, when was the last time you bought music that had a physical form? 
uh, uh, bought music that had a physical form, as in a CD, CD or an record, LP, something like that. Or, or uh, well, actually, Cassette. just just <laughs> it wasn't that long ago, because you know Roy and Kim Schneider, the Reckless Saints. I do. I bought their CD. Oh, okay. I bought their CD and and a uh, songbook. We're one of Roy's songbooks. Oh, really? He's yes. doing songbooks. Well, the guy, the guy's just so amazing. Oh, talented. I know. Yeah. So, yeah, I was part of the. Um, they were doing a promo to to get sponsors for their CD, and one of the things was one of the perks was a CD and um, hand drawn. Yeah. A songbook. Because he know. he's a cartoonist. Yes. Or, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Part yeah. of his layers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I have I got the songbook. It's absolutely great, and there are a couple of songs. Easily a couple of songs that I will be learning from that book. Cool. Because I, I love I love the music. How do you listen to music mostly in your life these days? How do I listen to music? Um, usually, I will pull it off of my everything I get. It's either I mean I will I'll I'll download I'll do Amazon iTunes whatever else and I try to buy. That's the other thing. I always try to buy music. I don't just go out and find it. Uh, People put their money in their time. I really believe this. They well, put their as money a musician, I can see yeah, why you would really want to be steadfast. About I, that. I buy it and then I put it on a flash drive and I play it in my car because uh, you know I can put three, four hundred songs on a flash drive and it'll just play right through. And I and it's nice because I can pick my all of my set lists. I don't just throw an album on. I right. go through the album. That's my favorite song from that album. And yeah. I'll sit. So you're kind of making a mixtape, yes. a long digital mixtape for I was, yourself. I was talking to my son just a little while ago and it's funny. It went from a 1928 Mississippi John Hurt thing to techno opera, the next song. So it just plays, you know, plays uh, uh, random, random things. And just the idea that I could be listening to those two things on the same... Uh, CD or same playlist. Yeah, it's, I, I love. Isn't it great? <laughs> yes. I do you ever do Pandora or any of the streaming services that f- sort of feed you up music based on a an, yeah, an idea? I've, I've done. I, I did the Avid Brothers for a little while, and that that was pretty interesting. <clears throat> That's where, as a matter of fact, that is where is it when I when I first heard Kevin Welch. They're, they're my go-to group right now. Uh, Kieran Kane and Welch is, and they they are my. I just love what they do. I love the sound, the recording sound. It's it sounds very real, very live. Uh, it has everything from banjo to, to strings to electric guitar to a uh, little concertina. Just everything is in there, and I just love it. And by the way, the intro made me think that I have to go out and get a kazoo. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to go and get it. You know the 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 twenty second version of the theme song is is um, I used to run a bar in downtown Fort Myers called Liquid Cafe. I don't know if you ever remember I, that. I do. Yeah, I yeah. Do that was it. I was part of that scene, and the guy that ran our open mics was my roommate. His name's Dave Cowan. We call him Dave, Dave, Dave. Mm-hmm. And uh, he lives up in Tampa now. And when we launched this show, <clears throat> we decided that's based on the three is a magic number, which is the song like Schoolhouse Rock song. Right. That's what our theme song is uh-huh. based on. And I said, Dave, we want you to riff on it. It's going to be a podcast. And he emails me back like five minutes later. And he says, I'm thinking kazoo and jaw harp and guitar and some drums. And we were like, go. And like a week later, he sent us that uh, that song. I mean, just, yes. you know, one take. There it is. That's perfect. Too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, OK, well, let's move on to your second song. Uh, my second song, that is, no, no, I know what it is. It's, um, and I, this is another one, another, pivotal moment. Uh, musically for me, pivotal. 
um, besides being a, a song that was was an anthem really for for lots of kids at that time, I am a rock uh, mm-hmm. by uh, Simon and Garfunkel. I remember um, this was last my probably my last year in middle school. And I can remember sitting in my English class with two other guys. I don't remember their names or the teacher, but I can remember sitting talking about the poets of the day. And uh, Dylan was – everybody was talking about Dylan and um, talked a lot about, uh, you know, Kerouac and so on and so forth. And uh, I remember mentioning Paul Simon and everybody looking at me like I was a child yeah, they looked at me like I was a child because they were thinking of his stuff as being pop. Right. That's what they were thinking. But I was saying, I, I, I don't think so. But yeah. I, it's just one of those moments that I remember. But uh, that particular song, here's what happened. Here's the story. See, I was in a – I learned for real, without question. It, it changed everything that I felt about my voice, my vocal quality because I – I learned that I could really sing. I could not only sing, but that I could sing in such a way that it, people would stop and look and want to listen. I was in a tree. I was, you know, they have one of those big RCA uh, transistor radios. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm sitting in a tree. And, uh, I thought you said trio. You were in a tree. I was, okay. <laughs> I was in a tree. No, I was in a tree because I'll, I'll, I'll never forget it. I was in the tree and I'm outside of my friend's house and – um, you know, those two guys are there and there's a couple of girls around and um, I'm in the tree and there's somebody else in the tree with me. And that song comes on the radio. And you know how you listen to it, you, you know, you can sing, I am a rock and be in key. I am an island. But that isn't how the song is being sung. Right. They're blasting it out. They're letting it go. But on the radio and with your friends, you, you're not allowed to do that. Yeah. At this particular moment, for some reason, I said, oh, the hell with that. I'm opening it. up my mouth and I'm singing because the song just moved me so much. And I did. I am surprised myself. You know, when it came to that. It was not a choice. It was a happening. Right. It was a happening. Everyone stopped. Everyone looked. And I sang through the entire song. And uh, you you could tell it was – they were just blown away. It was like, holy crap, that was Billy. (laughs) (laughs) What was he doing? You know, that was like that. And, uh, you know, it was from that point on I was singing. I really was. I went to summer camp. And at summer camp, you're in the woods. Right. You're in the woods. It doesn't matter. From, you know, so I'm out in the woods. And uh, it, this was right after that, my first job. I can remember going out into the woods specifically so that I could open my mouth and sing right from the gut, right from the chest, and, 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 and in a sense practicing that and it rocking me, you know, rocking me. It was cool. When was the last time you went out in the woods to sing, Bill? <laughs> oh, you know what? Who needs – yeah, who needs – I don't need to do that don't anymore. Need to do no, anymore. No, I do it right in the room. Oh. I'll have our audience know that I found Bill Metz before we started, 10 minutes before we brought him in, just out in front of the building just with his guitar on a bench just singing and playing. And people kept coming in saying, who is that guy out there? <laughs> He's killing it. He's killing it. Well, that's how Bill Metz rolls. Um Let's hear this song then. Let's imagine you in that tree with that transistor oh, radio. In, uh, I love this song too. What year would that have been? 1966, 67, something like something that. Like yeah. that. Right. This is "I'm a Rock" by Simon and Garfunkel. Uh, yeah, their 1966 album, "Sounds of Silence." They said he wasn't a poet. Uh, they no, <laughs> no. That's crazy. No, yeah, they, they, he's he's a pop musician. 
Um, I'm going to pivot now to something I wasn't even sure I was going to bring up, but at the bottom of your emails, you say, Maya and I both know why the caged bird sings. And for some reason, I'm going to throw that out right now because of that song and you singing it in the woods. You know, it's one of those things. I, it's, oh boy, I know why I put that there. And so much, I, I have spent, spent so much of my life being afraid. I really did. And I grew up, you know, at a time when, you know, that I was, and I, I was, I think my brother and I were the only two black kids in an all white school in the 50s. And it's true that, you know, I felt like uh, I was being treated like a monkey in a cage, you know. I really felt also that it did not matter what I did. I w- this is this is really getting into all. No, that's good. Okay, thanks for being I felt like willing I, too. There wasn't anything that I could do that would make me good enough. It did not matter what I did, how well I read, um, how well I did at math, and I and I was a good student. I was always a good student, always in the top fifteen percent, you know, of, of all of my classes. But still, the reading teacher would put me in the blackbirds group instead of the bluebirds, you know, the robins. You know what I mean? It was that mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. thing. And uh, also people were always afraid of me. Hmm. Like, you know, I could, I'd be walking down the street and a couple of kids would back up against the wall and let me walk by, stuff like that. So I ended up somehow caging myself. It's really... I caged myself. I was, and I, and I, even though I was in a big family, uh, you know, I wasn't unpopular, but I felt like I was, re- I was always alone. I always felt like I was a, a lonely child. And singing helped me open up the bird cage. That's the only way I can put that, and and that's the feeling that I got, you know, for her writing. Yeah, you know. You know, writing, and I love her writing. So, I, I had, I had, a, I actually got lucky one day. I met her. This, really? this is, this is, this is one of the stories in my life that that was. I met her. She was in Springfield. I, I don't even believe this story. <laughs> she was in Springfield, Massachusetts, doing a presentation, and I happened to be. This was when seventy five. I, you know, I was maybe actually it was, yeah, 75. But anyway, she was going to be, she was doing a reading somewhere and her guitarist didn't show up. And I happened to be sitting at on the library stairs with, with, my, <laughs> with my guitar. Wow. And she said there was one specific song she really wanted someone to play behind. And it was uh, one particular, particular writing. She was going to be reciting. I don't, you know, but I, rem- I don't remember. I, I can't even tell you what it was. Yeah, that's fine. But when she started reading it, I, I started playing, believe it or not, the music to Crying Time. Uh, and I learned it as a result of listening to Ray Charles. So, do you know the song? I do. Okay. I started just playing the music for that. And for some reason, it, it fit perfectly timing-wise, meter-wise. And she looked at me, I looked at her, and it really was, it was like a magic moment. And I actually got to sit in that library with her 
while she did this reading just for that one song. Wow. And I t- and I tell you the truth, I didn't know who she was. Right. I didn't know who she was really. I you know, I knew she was someone some, important. I knew she, she was things. someone special. Yeah, yeah right. you know. But I so I was that was one of those moments. I look back and I think, boy, you got so lucky. And you would have been like 23, 24, I was, or 25, I was very young. something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Did you feel like you had chops on the guitar at that point? Were you a quick study? Well, I again, when I first started playing, the you know, I was doing the folk music, just, you know, really simple folk music. But I knew right away that the, what didn't take me long that I knew I wanted to finger pick. Mm-hmm. That, that happened very quickly. So I, I immediately started with finger picking, and even with that one, I wasn't going boom chick chick with a finger with a flat pick. I was boom chick ching boom ching with my with my fingers, and uh, you know, it's it, so a quick study. Well, I, I don't know. I don't even want to say that because I practiced eight hours I was a say, day. You put the time. I, in. I did. You, I you practiced were... eight hours a day without question. I, I get up. Really, I would get up in the morning, play before I went to work or to class. I'd come home if when there was time. I'd come home and I'd play some more, and that's basically all I did for a long time. And it wasn't. I wasn't thinking practice. I, it was like I had no choice. Hmm. You ever do karaoke? Yeah, you know, I have I have my favorite karaoke songs. I do my favorite my favorite my very favorite is um Unchained My Heart, Joe Cocker's version. Okay. And I also really like doing Call Me Out. Oh, okay. Yeah, I yeah, love yeah, yeah. I love doing Call Me Out. That would karaoke. be fun. I it it is it is lots of fun. It's a lot of fun. Do you have a favorite song that, that you sing that of, of of the songs that you have in your repertoire that you, like you enjoy that the changes. most, or that, that just no, rotates that, throughout yeah, time? Yeah, that it'll change from one from one gig to the next. You know, just it really. You know, I mean, I have my favorite. There are songs that I will always go to that I will include in every set. Um, one of them right now, I mean, that that I'm I'm particularly fond of is. Uh, uh, Chris Stapleton, uh, but he was with the uh, Steel Drivers, and the song is called "If It Hadn't Been for Love." I do it in a finger style, and I, I just I happen to just really enjoy playing it and singing it. And, and there are others. Uh, a fellow named Tommy Powell, he uh, who's a friend of mine, he passed away. He wrote a song called "The River," and I sing that every single gig. I just just one of those songs. I I play every single time I play a gig. I play it. You've played a lot of music for people. Have you seen many shows, like lots of live music? No, not not a not a. You, I guess I would even think more. You know, like I was I was listening to Charlie um, um, Whitehead, Whitehead, and he was saying he's not he has not seen John Prine, and I was a little surprised. But the truth is, I haven't either. Right, I've never seen him live. My favorite shows, were, and then he was talking about uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire too, and it, my favorite. The my favorite show ever was Earth, Wind, and Fire. Oh, really? Wait, here's, here's a story about. Can I tell yeah, you a story? Oh, absolutely. Okay. That's why <laughs> we're here, Bill. <laughs> this this was it was so exciting because they were brand new. There was a a, a band called the Blues Image. Uh, Seventy three men sailed down. I think that's what they they had a big one big hit. Blues Image. Okay, and they were coming to Springfield College to play, and and the opening band was Earth, Wind, and Fire. Oh, wow. Was Earth Wind and then like I said, Earth Wind and Fire. They nobody knew them. They yeah, came they out, were the opener. They cut, yeah, they, cut, they came out and cut off shorts and t-shirts. <laughs> and really, they came out, cut off shorts and t-shirts, and they blew everyone away so much that they wouldn't let Blues Image come on the stage. 
Oh, really? As soon as Blue's image came on the stage, everybody started booing, and they did not boo. They did not stop booing until they got out. They swore. They said, we don't have to take this. And they got off the stage, and and Blue's image, I mean, um, Earth, Wind, and Fire came back out and played the rest of the night. Did you even know who they were before they walked on stage? I had no idea. But they were good, and I felt bad. I mean, I, I actually, I remember standing and saying, "No, don't do that to these guys. That's right. not fair." You know, they wherever they came from, they're here. You know, right, they're supposed right. to be playing. But they were, but Earth, Wind, and Fire was really good. Yeah, and they went on, and then you knew who they were. Yes, yeah, <laughs> they were, they were amazing. You know, so. Do you have a favorite band or musician? No, it changes. It, it's another one. Right now, it is my my favorite band or group is uh, uh, Kevin Welch, mm-hmm. Karen Kane, right. and Fats Kaplan. I love their music. It, look, if you look them up, Karen Kane and Welch, okay, is 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 the way they um, promote their one particular CD. Karen Kane and uh, Welch, and then they say with Fat Kaplan's Fats Kaplan. Great, great group. What's the biggest crowd you've ever played for? Uh, that's I have no idea. None. The biggest crowd that I've played for that was just mine mm-hmm. that just came to see me. It's not. It's not very big. One hundred fifty, maybe. Right. One hundred fifty people. But but you know I I you know I I can remember my first standing O was with one of those crowds, 120 people or so. Yeah. God, what a feeling, you know? know? But no, I haven't played any really huge crowds that I can remember, but... Do you have a favorite place to play here in town? Oh... I mean, I don't want to make you pick from the... (laughs) No, My favorite physical place, you know, the, the place where I like, the stage that I like, let's put it that way, my favorite stage is at the Alliance for the Arts Folds Theater. I'm going to be there on on uh, Sunday, by the way. Oh, is that part of the bluegrass thing? Yes, oh, yes. I'm, I'm opening up. Oh, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I'm opening up for uh, what's the name of the band coming? In? They're coming out of Nashville. Darn it! I I really shouldn't do this. I should know their name, and I do. It's just for some reason slipping my. But they're doing a, a show, and the band is coming. A uh, High Fidelity. Okay, yeah, is yeah. The name of the band, and uh, I'm opening for High Fidelity. You know, I worked at the Alliance for the Arts for five years. I took a break from radio, and yeah. I was there when we spun up that whole bluegrass thing. And I worked with those guys, you know, three or four times really? every season. Yeah. And yeah, that yeah. was part of my. I loved going in there, and I'd be in the back, you know, running lights and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they were in charge of sound. But yeah. I, now that I know that you, you're playing there on Sunday, I think me and my daughter are going to have oh, to be cool. there. Cool. No, that's a good. That's a good. That's a that that's, little stage. That's that a little, wonderful venue. Yeah, yeah. It really is. Um, okay, well, let's move on to your third song. This one here, this was hard. This was hard because you changed this one midstream. I, I did, I did because the other one was, was fluff. You know, it sounds. I mean, even though it's not really fluff, because it was one of those songs. It was a Mississippi John Hurt tune, uh-huh. which probably sent me off into a whole different direction musically, and it really did. So, in a sense, it changed. A, it was a big part of my life. But then, that's all there was to it. Okay, so it sent me there are a bunch of us. But this particular song, it's um. Uh, Dave David Wilcox, who I was not familiar with, he's Canadian. I've learned yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. David Wilcox. Um, I just fell in love with his music. A friend of mine introduced me to him up in Massachusetts, and I fell in love with his music. and And I listened to it a bunch while I was up there. And I went to one of his shows and picked up a couple of his CDs and wore them out. And this is the the, the reason this song is so significant to me is because. 
it was the – okay, what was happening? I'll tell you. I'll, I'll just get right into the story. You see, I was in a relationship where I felt, again, real or imagined, where I felt I was being mistreated. I was being, you know, being uh, not giving a lot, given a lot of respect, being spoken to badly in public, you know, just that kind of thing. And I, I stood for it. I, you know, I put up with it. And it's one of those one of those times when I felt like it, you know was I guess I was thinking it was better than nothing, you know, better than being alone. I know, yeah. you know. And the name of the song is called "Distant Water," and I found myself singing it over and over and over and over again. I was walking around just singing the song, and then one day, in one moment, it hit me why I was singing it. And I stopped. It was like it literally caught my breath. And I said, oh, I know what's going on. Hmm. And basically I was emoting. I was, I was giving myself messages through music without really even knowing that I was doing this. I learned that that was possible. Uh, you know, it was the first time that I really understood that we do that with music. And I think it might even be one of the reasons why I am so attached to hope by song right. right now because I know the power of the word and, and music being blended together, what it can do for people because it shifted me. I said, oh, I know what's going on here. I don't need to do this. I don't know if you want me to tell you the line or if you just want to listen to it. Tell us the line. The line is that, that kept going through my head is, if I was dying in the desert – I would see shining on the sand true love like distant water on dry land. And I kept singing it over and over and over again. And the words of the song in general talk about that, that particular thing of feeling so bad or, or having such a self-image that, that is so poor that you'll put your, you'll, you'll drink poison. If someone asks you to, because at least they're staying with you. Let's listen to the song together. Uh, Distant Water, David Wilcox from his 1991 album, Home Again. How does that make you feel? Oh, jeez, I love that song. It makes me feel, well, you know, it's, it's it, you empty. It's like emptying. You know, I know what you're singing about, Dave. You know, he's right there with me. It helps you. I love that kind of thing. When Again, which is why I love Hope by Song. I know what it does. When was the last time you listened to that song thoughtfully like oh, that? Oh, it's been a while. Well, you know what? It is on my – actually – It's no, on your jump drive? Right, no, it <laughs> wasn't that long ago. It was probably last week. And, I, and whenever it comes on, I am right there with it. I am singing with it. There are songs that I've written that I do that with. I don't play them out very often. Mm -hmm. But I wrote them specifically to help me empty, to emote. And I don't play them out often, but when I play them, there are times when I wake up in the middle of the night and have to play one of my songs hmm. because I'm dreaming about something or yeah. who knows what. Do you play that song on the – No, I don't. No? I don't play that at all. I just – That's I just, not what it's for. No, exactly. That hmm. is not what it's for. I, I, but I listen to it. He, he does it good enough. He does it well. <laughs> you know why? I don't need to, I don't need to make it you know, any, any worse. You know? <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I don't know if it'd be worse. It'd be different. I'm not going to claim worse. Um, uh, can we talk about the process that you used to, to get down to three songs and then maybe if there was a fourth song that, that you know, didn't make it? The process, the first one was really simple. I mean, that was like this, like my first very, very solid yeah, yeah. Uh, musical memory and, and the joy. There's just so much joy. The second one, it was another one. I, it's, uh, that was fairly easy. I kept. I was thinking, oh, yeah, but that's that's fairly easy. I love to sing. That's what I love to do most. I love to sing, and that really was it. I said, I can do that. Mm-hmm. The last one was a little harder because <laughs> you know I I was going back and forth between things that don't you know the stories. I mean, I I liked what happens here. I like what happens. I think this is – I think it's a great idea, this particular show, this podcast. Oh, what we're doing now, you yes, mean. Yes, oh, right you. here. I, yeah. I love this idea. So I didn't want to just do it because yeah. I could have because the song I would have chosen would have been John Hurt's, uh, you know, probably um, – Spike Driver's Blues, which mm-hmm. is the first fingerstyle song that I learned to play, and you know how many hours it took, blah blah blah. But you know, but you decided to dive in. I just, I did. I just, exactly. Thank you. And, you know, a lot of it was because I was, I wasn't sure who was going to be listening. You know what I mean? Yeah, we're still not sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure who's going to be listening. I yet. do know what you, you know. That's <laughs> what's so interesting about this show is that, you know, we call it biography through music. And what we've learned after doing, you know, 50 episodes now is that it's not just the stories that are told. It's the choices that are made mm. with the songs. And, you know, how much do I reveal? Who do I want to remind myself of? Who do I want to remind me? You know, I mean, right. there's a lot more to it than yeah. just three songs. I didn't realize. I mean, I do, I, I, but the, the, it opens you up. I, you know, when I started thinking about it, there's so many songs, so many things that are, that songs that are related to deep emotional things that yeah, happen yeah. in your life that you're not really aware of. You know, you go mm-hmm. through and they're there, but then when you start looking back and you're saying they, they they're very significant. There are others. Um, you know, we had a, a, a brain scientist on the show about halfway, about 20 episodes ago, Angel Duncan. I, I, I listened to that. Okay, I yeah, that. yeah. No, it was really interesting, I thought, <laughs> yeah. because, you know, they, she lives in that world of sort of musical therapy, which is where you are with Hope by Song uh-huh. and all that stuff. And then, you know, we've been told by a number of people who've been on this show that it's sort of therapeutic or like therapy in some ways because it does force you to be so self-reflective mm-hmm. in a way that you just aren't going to be otherwise. Right. Right. It's pretty fascinating. But you learn, you know, music is I, 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 music is so it's like magic. I don't know what else to say. It is like magic. Yeah, the things it can do. For One you. of my favorite things to imagine is, is in, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, the the, t- the TED Talk by Bobby McFerrin, Bobby McFerrin, Bobby McFerrin, where, yes. where he talks about the and the whole audience knows what's next, wonderful? and it's the yes. same thing. It's like you know, so you can be playing a melody that that nobody knows, but if you go off the rails, everyone will hear it and feel yeah. it. It yeah. just it's just there. It's one of the most when I teach. When I teach it to young kids, the idea that music travels and we take people on a journey, if you don't get them home, they don't feel good. And I and I show it by with that's Mary a had a it. little lamb, little lamb, little lamb. Mary had a little lamb who's 
You feel the tension? Yeah, yeah. You know, everybody goes, wait a minute, wait a minute, finish the song. They're waiting for the last shoe to drop. You know, and that's what he demonstrated that perfectly. I know what you're thinking, Richard. You're thinking of um, Survivor. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Tell the story. We had a friend, um, I can have a friend who was in a band and we used to joke, they, they wanted to play Eye of the Tiger and we used to joke that what they should do is they should go up on stage and just play like, dun, 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 and just... Dun, Keep dun, doing dun, that forever. Dun, dun, for, for like two and a half minutes and then never resolve. Just dun, 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 and then the, end, the song ends. No, you'd start a riot. <laughs> uh, okay, well, uh, we are kind of coming in. We're coming in for a landing here in the next few minutes. Um, let me ask you just a couple more of these basic questions. Are there any albums that you just love in their entirety that are just albums that are complete and that you'll always uh, want to listen to them? The, there's, there's more than one. You know, from beginning to end, uh, Santana, Abraxas. Oh, okay. Oh, I loved that. And I, I'm sure I wore it out. And then there is uh, uh, David Wilcox. Uh-huh. I, I, I listened to that. John Prine, Bruised Orange. I listened to, to that until I think one of my kids threw it out. It disappeared one day. <laughs> so if you happen to listen to this, kids, uh, I want you to know that I know that. I'm but it aware. Just dis- it disappeared just one day. It was gone. It's probably like in the couch cushion yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Any others? Uh, there probably are so many. James, a lot of James Taylor. Oh, yeah? I loved James Taylor. Yes, I did. Um, again, Mississippi John Hurt, the you know uh, sessions uh, from you know the folkways. I mean, I just I, there were some John Hurt things that I wore out as well, and just listened to them over and over and over again. As someone who loves to sing, are there any TV theme songs committed to memory? Uh, TV theme songs? No. You don't, don't strike me as a very I, big no, TV I've, I've watcher. Never, no, matter of fact, when when my kids were— if you're spending think, eight hours a day on the no, guitar. Yeah. You don't got time for TV. No, we didn't even have one for my kids until I think they were 14. They were—well, you know, I, maybe they got to watch it, but— What about musical movies or Broadway or anything like that? Um, musical, let's see. Matter, oh, you know what? One I really love, and it was the same thing that uh, Charlie uh, 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 Whitehead— yeah, he talked about it was uh, uh, old brother. We're out there. Oh yeah, what yeah, a yeah. movie! Oh yeah, oh, right. Music. Oh, oh man, I love everything those yeah. guys do. You know, like, one of the reasons I love that mu- that um, movie was because my when I went home one one day I went home and I was talking to my brother, and he said, you know, I never knew I could like bluegrass, until he saw that movie. It just the the idea never occurred to him that it would be could be good music. Hmm. But I loved that it, it did. It opened up you know the world really. A lot more people to the idea of bluegrass music and and the beauty of it. Because yeah. I like I like bluegrass. I don't play it, but I really like. It. I like bluegrass in person, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I'd spend much. Time. I've never. Well, I mean, I haven't made the choice to mm-hmm. listen to any bluegrass on my own time. But mm-hmm. if I'm ever in its presence, mm-hmm. I love it. So for me, maybe there's something about that. I like the influence it has. So in like say in today's Americana, you hear it yeah. mixed with blues and Celtic and you know I love. That I love that in music in general. Are there any songs that you avoid listening to? I knew you were going to ask me this question, <laughs> and there's no, there's the, the, the one, no, yes, there is one. Okay, there is one, and it's the only one that I can think of, and it's um, 
I think it's called Paradise City, and it's by um, the Guns and Roses. Guns and Roses. Oh, I cannot. There's I think like our second Guns and Roses oh, verse oh, person. Man, I just want to run out of the room screaming as soon as I hear that voice. I just uh, get me out of here. So it seems to be one of the most. A take me down to. Oh, don't even go there. <laughs> How dare you? No, yeah, but it's not like that. It's up there somewhere. Oh yeah, yeah, It sounds yeah. like he's got fingernails on the the chalkboard while he's singing. Uh, it's, oh my gosh. If you could play with any musician who is still with us or not, Ooh. who would that be? Who, who would that be if I could play? Again, most of it – I would want to sing with someone probably – oh, my gosh. I don't know. James Taylor maybe. But I see I'd have – see, playing and singing because they I can't I, – I, playing my guitar, Tommy Emanuel would be fun. Even though who's that? Oh, Tommy Emmanuel. Oh, he's uh, he's one of the best finger style guitar players on the planet. Oh. He, he truly is. He really, I mean, and that's not. I'm not just exaggerating. He's truly one of the best finger style guitar players on the planet. Very look him up, Tommy Emmanuel. Tommy he Emmanuel. was at the um, um, Barbara B. Mann. Okay. Uh, a year or two ago, he tours. He's from out of Australia. Uh, an amazing fingerstyle guitar player. Interesting fingerstyle yep. guitar player yep. out of Australia. Do you, know, do you know Tom Bresh? I don't. Okay, like Tom Bresh is another good one. But uh, I, uh, I would like to play and sing with Tom Bresh. That would be that would be a dream. I, uh, he's really good. He's uh, Merle Travis's son. Oh, okay. Tom Bresh, gotcha. very good fingerstyle guitar player. Great little laughing. Uh, jovial kind of song so cool yeah. uh, well that's all the questions I have Bill do you have any final thoughts I don't know other, I just I hope this continues I think this is an amazing show I will listen to it I will tell my friends not my show in particular yeah 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 <laughs> but I, I, I love the show I think it's a great idea and I hope it continues alright well we're going to change the ending up here uh, today I'm actually going to read the credits and while I'm reading the credits uh, Richard's going to come in here and he's going to mic up Bill's guitar and we're going to end this by the way I'm going to give you we talked a little bit before about songs yeah choose between the john hurt song that you were talking about okay the avid brothers song that you play okay and a hope by song song oh i i get the choose between those three choose oh between those three and i'm gonna well, start can, reading the can credit. i do can i do a um a, a shameless plug for hope by song we're having our we're having our fundraiser on Monday, Monday evening, 6 to 9 p.m., Hope by Song fundraiser. And this episode will come out well beyond that date. Well beyond. Okay. <laughs> but you okay. can say it. It's okay. just not going to do any good. All right. All right. We make three song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is the show's co-creator and producer and the guy who arranges microphones. Hey Tara Callaghan is our online content producer. She's behind me with a camera. Chris Duffus is our executive producer. Our theme music was created by Dave, Dave, Dave Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. I read a quote online about Bill Metz that says he paints stories with words, which I personally know to be true. So this week's parting tune, I'm going back to last night at about 8 o'clock when it occurred to me that letting you hear Bill play a song live would be a great idea. So I emailed him asking him to bring his guitar, which he has, as you can hear, in fact, done. So that's why we're ending the show today. This is my guest, Bill Metz, playing, what are we going to hear? Cruel Old Staggerly. Cruel old Stagger Lee. This Holy is by. Police and officer. All right. This is uh, this is Bill Metz. How can this be? I'm Mike Canary. You can arrest everybody. Keep listening. We're cruel Stagger Lee. Oh, he was a bad man. Cruel old Stagger Lee. Bill 
pretty line he told Staggerly. Man, don't take my life. I've got two little lovely children. I got a darling lovely wife. But he was a bad man. Cruel old Staggerly. Stag said, What do I care about you two little babies? Or your darling lovely wife? You done stole my stets in the hat, so I'm bound to take your life. Oh, what a bad man. Cruel old Stag Lee. Boom, 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 boom. Went to 44. Next time I saw Billy, he was dead down on the floor. Oh, by that bad man. You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Shot Billy, shot that boy so bad. The bullet went through Billy, and it broke the bartender's looking glass. Talking about the bad man, cruel old Stag Lee. Gentlemen of the jury, tell me what do you think of that? Stag Lee shot Billy. They lined forty-five dollar Stetson hat. Oh, he was a bad man, cruel old Stag Lee. Daddy O's Modern Jazz Patio, home of the Gophers Club, for those who live, love, and make a living of the class in jazz. Now here's Chicago's number one jazz impresario, Daddy O.